pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 264. Today, I'm going to chat with Clint Smith from Thunder Ranch. I am your host, Ava Flannell. Clint, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Uh, I appreciate uh, you contacting me, Ava. I appreciate it. (laughs) Of course. I appreciate you making the time. I know you're like super busy, especially when I know when I came to visit, what was it you guys were teaching? Was it like 12 consecutive days or something like that? That's pretty much been the plan this year. Uh, Last year, the year of COVID, uh, we did 560 people, which I realize is not a lot to some institutions, but considering that I'm physically present in all of them, unless, you know, I fell down or something again, (laughs) but I'm trying to do that. So this year is, uh, we'll do even more. I'm almost at 500 now and I still have a bunch of work to do. Um, So yes, we're busy. Yeah, that's incredible. So I do appreciate you fitting me into your schedule. No problem. Before we get into it, today's show is going to be a little bit different. Instead of doing all the different segments, I am going to be doing just quick ad reads in between our conversation. And the first is Smith & Wesson. I recently got the Smith & Wesson, the new 350 Legend Revolver. Most of you know I'm not really into revolvers, but I have been bothering Smith & Wesson to give me just like just a really big beast of a revolver because when Wednesday comes around, I want to participate in Wheel Gun Wednesday. When this new gun came out, they were like, hey, we thought of you. It's chambered in 350 Legend. I don't know anything about 350 Legend, to be honest, but it's the same length as 556. In fact, I'd almost be curious to see if they even use like a 5.56 cartridge, the casing, when making a 350 Legend. But anyway, so pull it out of the box. This thing is a beast. It's huge. It's a X-frame since it has such a large cartridge and it holds seven rounds in the cylinder with moon clips. I thought that there was going to be a lot of recoil, but I was actually pleasantly surprised, especially when you pull the ammo out, which Federal was nice enough to send me over some 350 Legend. But I pull out this ammo and I'm like, oh man, by the time I'm done recording my YouTube video on this thing, my wrist and hand are going to be killing me. But it actually wasn't. It was really pleasant to shoot. Just a lot of fun. And I find out that the 350 Legend cartridge is actually made to like put down games such as deer and stuff, which is pretty incredible. But if you guys are looking for a hunting revolver, which is what this was made for, definitely check out the 350 Legend. And then also head on over to YouTube and check out my, it's kind of a funny review. I went hunting on the range and it's not your typical hunting. So if you haven't checked it out, head on over to YouTube and just search for Ava Flannell. That's just one N, not two Ns. And then in the meantime, also head on over to smith-wesson.com and check out the 350 Legend. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Clint, for anyone who's not familiar with who you are, what is it that you do in this industry? I like to think that I contribute uh, people who are more safe with firearms and who are more knowledgeable. And I'm 
basically geared in the direction of a defensive application of firearms rather than, shall we say, sporting clays, which I'm not opposed to. I'm just saying. Yeah. So defensive <laughs> application in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And you own Thunder Ranch. And yeah. then obviously you're that head instructor there. But before we get into Thunder Ranch and what it is that you guys offer, I kind of want to take a step back and just kind of ask you what got you into guns? Well, um, we talked before and I think uh, my dad was a law enforcement officer for 25 years and then so was my older brother for 20 years. So there were always kind of guns around and I can remember being pretty small Mm -hmm. and my dad would take me to at that time, we're talking now the late 50s, early 60s. They were into like bullseye shooting still. You know, I mean, the idea of what you and I would call combat shooting or, you know, that for lack of a better word, you know, defensive shooting, um, it was more competition. So I can remember sitting on the bench with my dad with a set of ear pro and glasses that were too big. So I've kind of always grown up with and been around them, you know, and you know, we were always sort of instilled with that safety factor to start with, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't mess with the, your dad's service revolver and so on. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Grew up with them, girl. And then from there, you joined the military? Yeah. After high school, I, uh, and that would be in 1967, I joined the Marine Corps. And at that time frame, everyone's should in theory be relatively exposed to history. Um, I was uh, infantryman. Um and Marine Corps, and went to Vietnam, and I did two separate tours there, and was attached to what are called combined action platoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was where we stayed physically in the village. And you know, we've always heard you and I the joking about you know when their hearts and minds, mm-hmm. but that actually is a true story. You know, there was a three-star general named Lou Walt in the Marine Corps that was very famous from World War II, the Macon Island raid, Guadalcanal, um, you know, and so on. And so he was very um, adamant about the cap unit. So we got that. And that gave me the military application where I didn't teach because I was more competent than other people. We taught because no one else was there. You know what I mean? We were 18 and 19 and the people we were teaching were 15 and 16 and 17 years old. So I'd say I started there um, and that continued that firearm history. And then, so when I was at Thunder Ranch, just, I guess, maybe now we're going a month back, you mentioned that you got hit by an AK round. Do you mind if I ask you about that? I know, I'm assuming that that happened when you were in the military. Yes. Um, yeah, March 28, 1969, um, in um, the district of Hoi An, which is uh, close to Da Nang, so that everybody would remember Da Nang. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there was... Uh, shall we say, for lack of better terminology, a little scuffle. And uh, I was in the right place at the wrong time or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very fortunate. Um, you know, um, we always laugh in my family and go, yeah, I just got, they just winged me, you know. So, uh, but the rifle, um, being shot by a rifle was a eye-opening experience to, you know, like firearms too, because people always talk about stuff and, without you know being too tacky in that application which was a war you occasionally see a dead body and that can be on both sides mm-hmm. uh and theirs uh but um yeah so the uh ak round uh, we call it the enemy marksmanship award uh, i was just uh stupid for a few seconds and then you got hit so um yeah and did that do any like permanent damage 
Um, you know, in the beginning, not very much, but as you get older, everybody that's listening that's over the age of 45 or 50 will kind of go, yeah, my eyes gave out and whatever I broke when I was a kid hurts when I get up in the morning and uh, some mornings when it's cold. Yeah. So uh, no permanent, like I didn't lose a limb. Uh, you know, I still have, there's a, shall we say for lack of a better word, an indentation on the rotator cuff area of my shoulder, but it hasn't impeded me from doing my job. I mean, I came back from the military and was in law enforcement uh, activities for 10 years after that, before I started doing other stuff. So nice. Okay. So how long were you in the military for? And then I'm assuming, as you just said, so then you joined law enforcement after that. Right. So my enlistment uh, contract was for four years and I did just uh, a little over three. And that was because in that era is when they started the Vietnamization and they were downsizing everybody and dumping everybody. Uh, so they kind of didn't even give you a choice. You know, you were just getting out. You know, mm -hmm. I think, they, you know, if the same thing happened today, you know, they would gladly re-enlist you. But at that time frame, the, the whole dynamic of the country changed. I always call that time frame, uh, that Vietnam era, I call it personally historically i call it america's migraine mm -hmm. uh kind of a lot of things changed i mean you know um some of us went to vietnam some of us went to woodstock some of us went to canada right know, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, my since my family was all law enforcement it seemed fitting that i come back and go into that so i did did that tell me about your experience in law enforcement and what state were you in when you were doing this so um, I was with the Allen County, Indiana Sheriff's Department, and I worked for the city of Fort Wayne uh, first for about um, two and a half or three years. And I was in law enforcement for as far as being in the sheriff's department for uh, seven years and change. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that would have that time frame combined would have been from 1970 to 1980. And um, I was a firearms instructor um, for that time frame uh, for the department. So I got to do a lot of things in the sense of like, in my mind's eye, a lot of things like being able to go to a school. The premier school at that time would have been the Smith and Wesson Academy in Springfield, Mass. Mm -hmm. uh, and because there weren't really like you and I know today, um, for lack of better terminology, private schools or commercial schools like there are today. And, you know, there weren't as many traveling instructors as there are today. Uh, so law enforcement and that deal, I taught law enforcement, um, firearms on almost a continuous basis. And then extra details, uh, would have been, um, being assigned to SWAT and, you know, uh, I didn't, I have a family joke. You're either SWAT or you're not. Mm -hmm. And that humor, we kind of go like, when we look at what we know today, both technology wise and tactics wise, um, literally you were kind of a baby in a crib without a blanket then mm -hmm. compared to what we know now. I mean, like simply things you and I talked about when you were here with the AK thing, there's a lot more information, uh, some of it, and a lot of it has been paid for with blood. So we're just smarter now, or yeah. I'd like to think. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to take a quick break to talk about primary arms. <laughs> Thank you. 
Right now, they're having their anniversary sale going on. They've got thousands of parts on sale right now, ranging from guns, parts, mags, all kinds of AR parts. So if you're working on a build, uh, definitely check out what they have available because it's priced very well. They have strip lowers for $43, P mags for $10, parts kits for $29.99, and a ton of other stuff. They also have their brand new SLX 1 to 10 by 28 the SFP scope now in stock and shipping. It's one of the most versatile LPVOs with such a good magnification range and it's an awesome value. At only $449 with either the ACSS Griffin M10S or the Raptor 556308 M10S reticles, this is going to be a great scope for an AR with close range and long range versatility. Check these out at primaryarms.com and don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY. It's kind of crazy to me. So like when you were in law enforcement and then you had this position of being an instructor, I'm just trying to like go back and think, you know, like, where did you get all of your firearms knowledge? Or was it at this point like, OK, because, you know, you grew up with firearms, your dad instilled all of this knowledge on you. Then you obviously probably gained some knowledge when you were in the military and I, then from there just kind of applied it when you went into law enforcement. A lot of it, to be honest with you, was uh self-taught in the sense of like, okay, this is going to work. That's not going to work. I took some stuff that, you know, that I would have learned in the military, mm-hmm. um, which without being a smart aleck, okay. The, um, the idea that you were um, gaining information, you know, you always, if you and I teach and we have a class of 10 people in theory, we're going to get more information than we're going to give. You may be giving them or we may be punching the ticket that they need on an individual basis, but you and I are still getting information from 10 other people. And I think the biggest problem, um, the military, you know, they talk about being trained. Yes, to some degree. And uh, yes, more in some cases than others. You know, I mean, as far as like, if you were in the infantry, you would have shot more small arms. Mm -hmm. Then you go into law enforcement, I think the biggest thing that we find in law enforcement is uh, not all, but some, and I can say this because I was one, you know, in a department, if you have a hundred people, you have 10 people who are highly enthusiastic, what the public would call gun queers, Mm -hmm. then you have 10 people who do their job because they're told to, then you have 80 people who kind of, they'll do it. And some of them absorb the knowledge and some of them are just doing it because they have to. Mm-hmm. So you know, I always, my adage is I go, some people could carry a gun or they could just as easily be building light bulbs. You know, it's just simply the job. And so uh, I was intrigued by the fact that people wouldn't really work hard to save their own life. And then, you know, so in my time frame, which, you know, uh, in 1980, I was asked to go to Gunsight to be the operations instructor. That three-year time frame was probably one of my biggest learning experience time frames because I transitioned out of law enforcement from people who kind of wanted it but didn't really care mm-hmm. or they had to do it, it was mandatory, to now going into the world where people actually pay you money, okay, to do what you do and to get a higher degree of competency. So when you get people like that, um, you really learn and then you you know, you can start to fuse the thing together. So I've been very fortunate industry-wise and in that I had prior military experience. Uh, I had prior law enforcement experience. And then, you know, I had the experience of being at Gunsight. And then in 1983, I started, 84, I started my own business. Uh, and then you kind of get to decide 
Um, or someone decides for you whether or not you're competent and how that works is if you do a good job, you know, because you teach yourself. If people uh, like what they got and you know, even if they don't know a lot, they know that you're interested in them, then they come back and then that's how you and I would theoretically generate an income. But you also know, being in the business, that anybody who thinks they're going to be a firearms instructor and be a millionaire, no, if you're going to do that, you need to be a millionaire first right. and then be a firearms <laughs> instructor. And then my thought is like, well, if I already was a millionaire, why would I worry about people with guns? I mean, you know, uh, there's kind of my dry sense of humor about that. But mm-hmm. the, I think you uh, learned that and you acquire that knowledge. You just keep stacking it on. And I could see things that we're at, we were asked to do in the law enforcement that I learned in the military were a bad idea, mm-hmm. you know, like off the skyline don't stand in an open doorway you know um don't do goofy stuff like i cycled the action on my shotgun to intimidate somebody you know mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so you're kind of bluffing you know what i mean and so you learn that way so that time frame from 1970 until 1983 with both the military and the police those were very good learning things that allowed you to see what works what doesn't mm-hmm. so that's what and really lucky. And then in the private sector, then you learn things there too, because now you have people who have limitations. You know I mean? By that, I mean, I've had people who were like, for example, in wheelchairs. So that's not an experience that you get in law enforcement or the military, but you would get it in the private sector. Mm -hmm. So how do I adjust my teaching methods to someone who is stuck in a wheelchair? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't mean stuck in a wheelchair in a bad way. You, yeah. you, you know me, I'm not mean like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, that's their life circumstance. So how do I help them be so that they're not, you know, somebody's lunch and a set of wheels? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When you started Thunder Ranch, where did you initially start? Because it's not the location that you have now, correct? No. Um, so from 83 to 93, I was on the road teaching. So, I mean, Lake Placid, LA, Seattle, uh, Miami, I mean, all, all over America for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we opened the ranch in Texas in 93. And probably at that time frame in the overall spectrum, um, I won't say it was the best institution because that's not my style, um, but I will say it was one of the best and it provided a lot of opportunities because of the range designs and things like that, that we could do a lot more, you know, everything from vehicle defense to, you know, moving targets to all that kind of stuff. And so we did Texas, like you mentioned, uh, from 93 to 2004. And then in 2004, we moved to Oregon. And, you know, not other people necessarily, but Heidi's mom uh, lives a couple hours away. So that was good to have Heidi, you know, and people go like, well, Oregon's terrible. And I go, so you live where? Well, I live in Texas. So Austin is better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, as the gun laws and the crime and the kind of the stupidity that evolves around guns and most of it is a lack of understanding mm-hmm. uh, you know guns are dangerous well so is drinking alcohol you know what yeah. I mean, and driving fast cars so yeah. i think that you and i are both working towards a common goal which is to educate people mm-hmm. that a firearm is a tool and the more competent you are the better off you are because as you well know, possession doesn't equate to competency. Mm-hmm. But if you have one, like you, when you were here with me with the AK and you have reasonably competent supervision, you can become pretty good at it. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, you already knew when you got to me, you knew what sites are, you knew what the trigger was supposed to be. Uh, you knew you couldn't jerk on the trigger. 
Uh, do we jerk on the trigger? Yes, I still do. You know, a guy who says they never miss, and I don't mean guy by gender. I mean, mm-hmm. a person who says yeah. that they never miss is someone who never shoots because we're all going to miss. Mm-hmm. So then we're working on a degree of competency. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, when I was there, we talked about, because I live in Colorado, which is starting to turn very much kind of liberal. And then, you know, you get crap about being in Oregon. And I said that I feel that if you for the people that are moving out of state because they're like, oh, it's just being taken over by a bunch of liberals. I think that you're just as much at fault for causing the issue because then you're just basically giving up. I'm like, no, just like stand and fight because otherwise you're basically just giving away your state like on a silver platter and letting them win. So yeah, even though Colorado Springs and a lot of Colorado is starting to like politically, it's definitely changing, but I'm going to continue to stand here and voice my opinion and try to educate as many people as possible, especially about guns and hope that, you know, we see that when people go to vote and stuff like that. I'm going to take another quick break, talk about Mantis. The Mantis X is a really awesome product that attaches to the rail in your firearm and uses a combination of sensors to measure exact parameters about how the gun moves when you squeeze the trigger. It gives you info on how your muzzle tracks before and after the shot analysis of your trigger control so that you can tell if you're using too much or too little trigger finger, all kinds of stuff. I actually just taught a class yesterday and I recommended this to a lot of my students because they all thought that they were anticipating the shot, which is why they were shooting low, but they were actually pulling too hard on the trigger and they weren't able to make it to the range quite often as much. So I was like, you need to get the Mantis X practice at home. And the next time that they come to class, I expect them to be basically professionals. Lots of different versions. So the X2 version is for dry fire only. It works on handguns or rifles for only $99. But you can even add these metrics to live fire shooting if you get the X3 for $169 or the X10 Elite, which is what I recommend to everyone. It's the most versatile. You could use it on shotguns, bone arrows, all that good stuff. And that is $249. Check these out at mantisx.com. Then at what point did you meet Heidi? So Heidi and I actually uh, met in the mid eighties. Uh, so uh, her family mm-hmm. and myself and my wife, then Debbie, who has passed away from a brain tumor. We, she was still alive then, of course. And then we met each other then. And then, you know, our families kind of, shall we say, grew together over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when my uh, wife, Debbie passed, Heidi and I, you know, after um, a little while of organizing your lives, because, you know, those things like, you know, family member passing, um, those are always what I would call a reasonably traumatic experience for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, let's just say it's very uncomfortable for a while. Yeah. So uh, I met Heidi and then she and I were married in 1998. So we've been married um, quite a few years, you know, so. 24 or five or something, me not doing very good at math, but yeah. uh, so she is, and to get it for a point of clarity, Heidi is technically the president of Thunder Ranch. And I, of course, because at my age, I'm technically retired, but you already know that that's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say that, you know, everything from goofy stuff like, okay, you can't work because you have social security. Well, it's not my fault. You know I mean? I, I worked all those years putting money in social security, but 
So Heidi's very, very knowledgeable, and she is a gem in the rough in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've been around her. She's not at all, you know, in the fashion promoting herself. I mean, um, I mean, try to find a picture of Heidi with the class. I mean, she's usually the one taking the picture, but mm-hmm. very competent <laughs> rifle person, uh, knowledgeable about what's going on. And so uh, for her and I, it was a good matchup because we both know what we do. Uh, I didn't have to explain, no, dear, I'm not teaching people to kill people. I'm teaching people to save their lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know what I'm saying? So there's always that kind of like, so like someone would go, Ava, how did you get into this? And you'd go, uh, well, and then there are people who contributed to you and then people who told you you couldn't do it, mm-hmm. but you approve those people wrong because you are doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry to hear about your wife. I know that that is hard. I lost my mom 10 years ago and it is like to date, probably the worst thing that'll ever happen to me in my life. And I think that sometimes when things like this happen, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about it, but like really shitty things might happen to you in your life. And you think like, Oh, like, you know, you just can't see like much of the future ahead of you. But I think back to some of these pivotal moments where it was like the worst of my life. And really if my mom, if she didn't pass away, I don't think I'd be in this industry. She's the reason why I'm in this industry. And I don't know, but I could understand. As you well know what I mean when I say this, and almost everyone listening has lost someone, so they'll get this. It never in my mind's eye gets better, but it does get And then you can sit around and have a pity party, or you can go forward and make something. Absolutely. And I, you know, uh, yeah, if we, if you're a human and you're alive, eventually you're going to suffer a loss. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing in our industry. If we look at all the people who passed away, like in the last 10 years, who were significant contributors to what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those people, you know, were a really solid foundation for what you and I would call tactical shooting today. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of those people have, you know, have passed. So I think it's and, you know, I'm closer to the end of the road than I am the beginning. So my thought is that someone like yourself and someone like Heidi and you go, well, yeah, but they're girls. And I go, that doesn't mean anything. See, now we're getting into he, she, they, mm-hmm. if you're competent, you're competent. And if people are willing to, you know, your brain in a parachute have something in common. They'll both work best if they're open. Yeah. So like, people are open-minded and don't look at you. Like if you think about it while you were here, I treated you no better, no worse, no different than I did the guys that happened to be guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. To me, you're still a student and I don't care about gender, you know, in the sense of I think everyone has or should have the ability to defend themselves if they choose to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a law of nature. I don't need someone to come to me and go, well, the law says, because if we're following laws, apparently we're not doing very good because you're not supposed to murder people, but people do all the time. And then, you know, you got guys killing people who are out on patrol, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. And you just kind of go, that was pretty dumb. but. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the United States in my head is a lot like a pendulum. Uh, I think it swings back and forth through things where, you know, we would all like life to be a unicorn and a rainbow and a bunch of flowers. At least I think it would be cool. Mm-hmm. But we also, if you look at the last 10,000 years, you know, violence, whether you like it or not, has solved more issues than diplomacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's just simply, I don't think that any human should be subjected to the whims of other people without their permission. So 
you know, that, and if a gun helps you do that, awesome. If driving away helps you do that, that's cool. Mm -hmm. If someone hears your dog barking and they decide maybe it's the wrong house because they might get dog bit and that works, then that that's, then we go, yeah, that's, that's an A plus. I don't have to worry about, you know, hiring a lawyer because I defended myself on my own home. Mm -hmm. That's actually the first thing that you said that automatically like gained respect, uh, my respect for you. So I all admit, like, I didn't completely know who you were when Adam from Century Arms asked me if I was interested in taking the class. And I looked you up and I was just like, oh, okay, like an older guy. He's probably going to be kind of fuddy, teach like some old ways of doing things. And I feel bad for thinking this. And I'm telling you this because I know you're not going to get offense to it. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, I'm not. No. But I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like uh, some old guy. Because I I went to gun site like a few months prior and some of the guys there that were like old and just kind of stuck in their ways and had that military-esque mentality. And they were kind of just jerks. Like it wasn't productive, you know, like I can handle, you know, people talking crap, but it was more just like very egotistical and it wasn't a productive type of training. And I thought that that's how that this was going to be. And the first day when we got to Thunder Ranch and you were walking us through the Think House, which is essentially a shoot house, but you like to call it the Think House, which I like. And the first thing you said is, you know, I could take you through this, but if I can talk you out of doing this and if you can absolutely avoid doing this, then that's going to be number one. And that to me, you know, so you weren't like some guy where it's like, yeah, I'm going to teach you how to be a badass, clear houses. Like it was more just like, I'm going to teach you how to do it if you have to, if there's no other choice and you have to right. go through this house. But if you could avoid it, then absolutely. And that's what I teach my students. You know, I mean, same thing. Like I live alone. I have cameras throughout my house. If somebody breaks in, I'm barricading myself in my closet. I have my gun. I'll call 911. Only if they come up to the second floor, am I then going to shoot? But if they're stealing stuff on the first floor and I could avoid going down there, then I'm absolutely going to do that. Because people, what they don't realize is, you know, somebody breaks in your house. You don't know what the hell they're carrying, how many people there are, you know, what they're armed with. And you're essentially putting yourself in danger by going to investigate that automatically, you know, gained my respect. And then a lot of the things that you taught were very similar, like even the way that, so I'm not very experienced with AKs, but I realized pretty quickly that it's really hard for me to hold the gun out like in midair and do a mag change. And right. you were like, look, however you have to do it, if you have to put the stock of the gun underneath your armpit and do a mag change that way, because that's just your body then that's how you're going to do it and just make sure that you're consistent with it. And I liked that because there's a lot of instructors out there that are like, nope, it has to be my way. But if essentially, if you're still hitting your shots and able to do everything else that everyone else is able to do, then like, why not? Well, I don't get stuck up on, you know, on things like that, like obviously technique, but even someone's stance, everyone's body's a little bit different. So yeah, I'm right. going to teach the isosceles stance, but if that's not working for their body and it's not comfortable and they're not hitting their shots, then all right, let's adjust it a little bit. And so I liked that too. So if you and I are teaching and we want the student to hit the target and they're hitting the target, then I'm not going to fix stuff that's not broke. Exactly. You know, I think there's a more efficient way, you know, like we, you and I both know that there's an absolutely perfect way or I mean, the idea, there's the ideal way to do like load, mm -hmm. load magazines, you know, like, you know, how to pie a doorway. I, I get all that, but 
not every person is physically capable of doing that stuff. And, and if it's someone like you and, you know, and I go, okay, great, do it this way. And then ultimately I'd like for you to work towards this as being a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we spent a couple of days together and, you know, my, my sort of family joke is like, okay, those three days were really good. Now spend three months with me and we really got some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so, you know, repetition is good, but, and I know all this technique, I got all that, but, you know, it's like running 40 years ago, I could run pretty good. Now I can't run as good. So, you know, I need to think about, okay, don't get yourself in a position where you have to do that, you know, if I can avoid it. So mm-hmm. we have to consider you and I, that when people walk away from us, what we worked on, what we taught, it's not about us or our ego. Mm-hmm. It's about the student. What did the student get? You know, I mean, if I have a guy who's literally a rocket scientist and I go teach me everything you know about rocket science, okay, in three days, I'm going to teach you everything I know about shooting in three days. And we've both been doing it for 50 years. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? So um, that's, we need to be rigidly flexible to adapt to our students, to give them the best product. And then they get to decide whether or not they're going to go home. And I might've told you this, but I think our job, yours and mine is to dig a hole for the basement. It's up to our student to go home and build the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, I think that's the thing. And I always tell them, Hey, you know, I don't care how much money you paid me. If you're here for three days and you even get some degree of competency, if you don't practice it for anything or touch the gun for the next three months, you're not going to remember that stuff, you know, at three in the morning when, you know, you know, your heart rates escalated and you're having, you know, like the scary Larry and the house guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick. I'm going to talk about Caldwell. Caldwell has a brand new communication link that you can use with EarPro. The Emacs line is designed to connect with Bluetooth to your EarPro and provide communication up to 12 miles away. It connects with Bluetooth to any of the power cords, Emacs Pro, Emacs Pro BTs, Emacs Shadows, or the Emacs Shadow Pro, or to non-Bluetooth devices with an auto jack. They're a great idea for range officers to be able to communicate on a big range working on a construction site or hunting. They come with rechargeable battery or you can use three AA batteries. Best of all, they're only $67.99, but if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, you're going to get 10% off your entire order, and that is at caldwellshooting.com. I have to ask, so you've been doing this for, I guess, a little over 50 years, if not more. How is it that you don't get burnt out on teaching? Actually, I think I love it. And then, then, you know, you read enough in social media, people go, well, I'm not going to that guy because he yells. And why doesn't he clear his throat? We sound like a frog. (laughs) Why doesn't he put smoking cigarettes? And you kind of go like, well, here's a thought for you. You know, I've basically been yelling to help and motivate people. You know, always remember that most people work harder to win a trophy than they will to save their own life. Mm -hmm. Because the trophy is tangible, Mm -hmm. you know. Yet when you go, it doesn't matter about the trophy because everybody listening to this has won a trophy for something, but they don't know where it's at now. Yeah. So, you know, it's that actually I, I really love it. And I, I think as long as I'm able to walk and be, you know, you know, not make a fool out of myself, like, you know, in the Alzheimer's mode, yeah. uh, I think, um, and so no one gets the wrong idea and say, have an Alzheimer, you made you a fool. Yeah. I said a lot of times people who have soft stuff like that, 
are not as cognizant as what's going on. So I think I really love it. I think I am going to continue to do it as much as I can, but I also am smart enough to know that it, you know, it can't last forever. So I've never had any delusion of grandeur that, you know, 20 years from now, someone will be teaching Clint Smith's techniques. I mean, if you think about it, uh, cause you've been with me, I'm not a self-promoter. I mean, even my own people go like, you're the worst marketing guy on the planet. And um, yeah, but I, I don't care. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I don't give a shit. It means I don't care what people think if yeah. they go, well, he's old. I mean, I've heard that comment. I mean, I've got that email. You're old. You carry an old gun. You teach old stuff. And I go, yes. And there's a reason I'm this old. Okay. What I teach may not be for everybody because Remember when I started, we were all just still basically either shooting flintlocks. <laughs> no, actually, we were all shooting, you know, revolver was the primary handgun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was before the age of the Glock and the polymer and everything that we're dealing with now. Yeah. But no, uh, people go like, well, you like 1911s. And I go, you can find nowhere in writing, nowhere where I ever said that everyone should carry a 1911. Yeah. They shouldn't. Yeah. There are people who shouldn't. The gun's too big. The gun's, you know, I mean, if it's a, a hundred pound lady without being ugly. She doesn't necessarily need a cannon. Maybe mm-hmm. a Glock would be a good choice for her body size and style and, yeah. you know, adapting to recoil. So I think the ultimate goal for you and I is, can we get people to practice enough? You know, they have some degree of competency. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, as far as going on, I, yeah, same thing. I have no delusion, no grandeur. I don't name. It's never been like Clint Smith's Thunder Ranch do that two things go together if you're in social media yeah generally someone will go hey you know i was at thunder ranch and clint smith said you know uh but like i said bottom line i love it i'll do it as long as i can where i'm still a contributing you know mm-hmm. factor to what's going on and you know i've had people go well you need to donate a hundred thousand dollars to the nra and i go well here's what i do donate i donate 14 people every week who are more competent than when they came mm-hmm. and they're safer yeah. And so that's, that's kind of among some other things, but you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, um, definitely. But I just kind of wonder, do you think it's because you teach so many different, I mean, you teach like such an array of like different classes that maybe that prevents you from getting burnt out because you know how they say like, Hey, you know, do something you love. You'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, yeah, but you could love spaghetti. If you eat it every day, eventually you're going to get tired of spaghetti. Right. So do you think it's because you kind of, you know, offer? I think so. The hard ornament of the school, I mean, if you ask me if somebody, you know, they go like, well, you know, give me a trade secret. Yeah. You know, I teach handgun and it comes in different variations. But shall I say the the moneymaker for the client as far as them gaining knowledge, you know, the client knowledge is gained in defensive handgun. Mm-hmm. And then urban rifle, uh, you know, I started teaching that class by that name in 1983. And in layman's terms, it's how to fight with a rifle inside what most people consider pistol ranges, because that's where most rifle fights take place. So we have that diversity. And then I do have a little bit of background, you know, a scope gun. So uh, being able to transition through those. But there are classes that I personally prefer to teach rather than, you know, um, I mean, it's not that I don't teach, we'll say vehicle defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I like that too, but I think you're right. I think having to do the same thing all the time. I mean, I've had people go like, hey, you know, I like this 
because I'm coming here to help you. And every day that I'm here working with you, there's something new challenge. You know, someone drove off the road, you know, someone's gun's not working. Um, someone's scope fell off their rifle, um, you know? So, so yeah, I think that's a contributing factor. Here's, this is the important one. And I, you hit the nail on the head with this one. I never teach beyond the limits of what I know. Mm-hmm. In other words, I don't bullshit people about, oh, you need to do this because I, I think it'll work. I don't need to think it'll work. I need to know it will work. Yeah. Will it work for every person? No. Like you said, different sizes, different shapes, different people, different experiences. But I think for anyone that would be listening that goes, hey, I, I, I want to kind of do what you do. Then the first thing I would say is don't teach beyond what you don't know. Then if you don't know, try to know someone who does know. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, we can do it that way. Because I always tell people, I mean, uh, you met Jack when you were here. I always tell people, hey, if you want the Coriolis effect and spin drift and the curve of the earth and you want all that technology, then talk to him. I mean, if you want to know what's the best tactical gear vest on the market right now, then go to him. You know, I have the stuff that I use. Um, and then like in your case with the AK, I liked it because you were exposed to it and you got to decide, okay, this gun's too heavy. Maybe I need one lighter. Do I actually need, you know, a 200 round drum hanging out of the bottom of the gun? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I get up and I'm kind of in my jammies, you know, what is all this tactical gear I have going to do? You know, um, it's always been one of my things. I go like, it, if you've ever been to the SHOT Show, 95% of the stuff in the building is never going to be used in a fight in the next five years. Yeah. But it's marketing. I mean, people want the new, the flashy, the fast, the this or the that. And then there are people who are smart enough to realize, yeah, all that shit's cool, but it doesn't matter, you know, if I can do this flaming Buddhist monk drill, okay, if I don't know how to load the gun, Mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, and I've never been ashamed of teaching fundamentals. I mean, uh, if I had a headstone and I'm not going to, and it said he taught fundamentals, I would take that, you know, as far as a a life contribution, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, I heard a rumor. Are you guys selling Thunder Ranch? The physical property is for sale. Okay. The business is not for sale. And there's nothing there except where Heidi has 887 acres here. And if you know anything about Oregon, Oregon is a fence out state by that. They mean the fences have to be kept up if you don't want cattle on your property. Mm-hmm. So now take basically six miles of fence. And then, you know, you've seen the ranges, you've been on the ranges, uh, they're clean. Yeah. Um, so that requires a lot of work. Uh, so probably um, by keeping the business, I can still be active. And what we'll do is just literally downsize again. I mean, I had the same thing when I left Texas. People go like, well, that's insane. Why would you leave that? And I kind of go like, because I got to the point where I was doing more about, shall we say, management mm-hmm. than actually getting the hands-on teaching. And the hands-on teaching is where I thrive. So if... I have a class used to was Texas. It was 24 uh, in Oregon. A full class is 14. And if I did a class that only had six people in it, I would be happier with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I That was one thing I noticed when I was on the property is that it's like really well-maintained and you actually kind of remind me a lot of my dad. He has a lot of property and a business and everybody's like, wow, how do you, you know, you guys must have like a whole crew that does this. And my dad was always like, no, it's just me. Like he'd get up early, right. super early. He'd accomplish more, obviously, in the morning than like what most people would, you know, the entire day. And 
I also was just recently talking to somebody about how like nobody has prideful ownership anymore. Nobody takes pride in anything. Like even as I drive through neighborhoods and I'm like, doesn't anybody freaking own a lawnmower anymore? Like why the hell aren't people mowing their lawn, which takes like all of about maybe 30 minutes, if that. But that was one thing that I think initially, like I said, right off the bat, the first that I was there is I asked like who takes care of the property because it was like really well managed, cleaned, you know, nice and neat and stuff like that. But I could imagine that it's a lot of work and that makes well, sense. And there's nothing wrong with work. And I mean, you know, I got a lot of people who are not really into it too much. And we use lame ass excuses like, well, there's COVID. So I'm not going back to the office and all those things. Yeah. Okay. You know, I had people who got, you know, uh, I know people in the industry who took money for COVID and I honest to God, I can be very proud and say that I've never taken money from the government except for a class that I taught, you know, I was doing mm-hmm. the government. Um, and I, I'm not being arrogant about it. I just go like, hey, you know, I think that when, for example, in your case, you know, you came as a guest and that was awesome. But if you came and everything was coming out of your wallet, this winds up being someplace between a thousand and a five thousand dollar trip. And in my mind's eye, your experience with Thunder Ranch started when you talked to my baby sister who as you well know takes care of all the admin stuff and then you know the idea so the next thing that comes up is when you cross the bridge your experience at thunder ranch starts and then when you got to the classroom it was set up and clean and organized and the bathroom was clean probably in the big picture of life there are far too many chiefs and not enough braves. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I jokingly tell people, yeah, at the end of the day, I always go down and clean the toilet in the classroom. People go like, well, I would never do that. And I go, that's why you'll never own a place like this. Right. You have to be willing to do more than just be important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you have to go out and I, I admit I don't do it all the time, um, but, but that's why I do have staff to help. I don't mean I'm not there. 15 minutes early, making sure the targets are set up. But like in the case of when you were here and you got to the range, the targets were up, the water jug was full, you know, everything was ready to go. And I think that's, it's just like somebody's lawn. I want to keep the grass mode. You know, I want people to know that we do appreciate them. So there's, it's a significant amount, you know, I mean, if nothing else, your time, if I go, Ava, you know, we spent basically three days together and you'll never get those three days back again. And like everything in life, I kind of go, yeah, the parallel to that would be if I could get my mom and dad back for five minutes from the grave, I would take it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we just work at it. And the problem with it is, as you all know, when you get to be, and you don't know this, but you know from being around me, when you get to the 73, every once in a while you get tired. You know what I mean? You just kind of go, here's the thought. I'm going to sit down for a minute and yeah. just like look at this. So, but as long as I can keep going and, you know, you have, competent help and you know the um, even in your case like in Colorado if you can have a student that you have and you like them you get along regardless of gender and they go hey can I come out and help you with this class and you know they're not going to be the village idiot mm-hmm. okay uh, you're not gonna I mean I would like for you to to think that you had someone to help you so you don't have to do everything yourself I've done that part of it and it's not much fun mm-hmm. you know what I mean um, when you have to do everything but when you do everything, then you appreciate everything later on when you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to take another quick break to talk about one of my favorite companies, Franklin Armory. 
what are their binary triggers that I just have to try out? And if you guys have tried it out, definitely write in, let me know what you think of it. But the 22C1, which is made for the Ruger 1022. I still need to get the Ruger 1022. I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but with moving and stuff, it's just been kind of on the back burner. Hopefully though, once I get, you know, settled into my house, I'll get on it. But anyways, now you have the opportunity to shoot in binary mode using 22, which is definitely a little bit easier on the wallet. All you do is install it. And as always with any binary trigger, you have the option of shooting in semi-auto or binary mode or to cancel that second shot. If you're in binary mode, you just put it on safe or semi-auto and it'll cancel that out. One of my patrons got one. He actually loves it. He confirmed it was a little trickier to install, which I've heard. I've even heard that from the people at Franklin Armory, but I'm sure that once you install it, it's definitely kind of a game changer. Right now they're on sale for $269.99, but when you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is franklinarmory.com. If you guys sold the property, have you thought about where you would relocate? Yeah, probably just a couple miles down the road. Okay. Uh, I know people go, always go like, hey, Oregon sucks. And I go, well, you know, what about Colorado? And my inside personal Clint joke, because I was old enough to be there, I go, in the 60s, when all the hippies, okay, were in the East Coast, those that wanted to go to California, okay, they ran out of gas in Colorado. And then that's why <laughs> Colorado has, like, you know, policemen running around with beards and, you know, uh, dirty uniforms and, you know, liberal this and liberal that. I mean, you guys in Colorado have went through significant struggles, you know, in gun ownership, you know, uh, over the last 10 years, you know, and, and arguments about gun ownership. So, yeah, the, it's just the way it is, you know, and, and I'm not moving again. I mean, like in the sense of I'm not moving from Oregon. And, and I'm like you said, Oregon has a really remarkably stupid thing on the ballot this November. And, uh, you know, people go like, well, how will you survive that? And I go, dude, I started doing this when Jimmy Carter was president. I've survived all those idiots, uh, you know, and uh, people go, well, will you break the law? Well, I'm not going to answer that because I would say each one of you will need to make a choice. I mean, I've had people that I, well, I'm not turning my guns in if they say that. And I kind of go like, and you do what for a living? I'm a brain surgeon. And your wife drives a white Mercedes as she goes to the country club and drops the two boys off at the special cool school that costs $50,000. I got a feeling your wife is going to be more interested in keeping her car and keeping her kids in school than she is you owning an AR. Mm-hmm. Will you cave? I don't know. Um, you know, each person's going to have to pick. And as you well know, there's a lot of bullshit on social media about, well, you know, the Second Amendment. The, yeah, I know. And, you know, it's like open carry. I get it. And I get the Second Amendment. I actually read it and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the Federalist Papers. But in nowhere in there did I see the word stupid. So like if I can lower my profile, well, isn't that caving in? See, you get to call it what you want. I call it being smarter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So will you give up? You know, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. I'm not going to sit in this sort of public forum and make things like, you know, um, like Carlton Hesson. I like the guy, fabulous actor, but I think one of the dumbest things he ever did was to hold the gun up at the NRA thing and pry the gun from my cold dead fingers. That's an open invitation and a challenge to something. Here's a thought. Why don't I keep my mouth shut? And while you're out hunting me, 
I'm going to be hunting you first. Mm -hmm. If you're going to say something stupid, you know what I mean? I think you and I should lower our profile, work on the idea that we can teach as many people as we can, have them understand that a firearm is nothing but a tool. Mm -hmm. And like all tools, if I misuse an automobile or a chainsaw, I can get hurt. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, people go like, well, there's nothing about chainsaws and cars in the Second Amendment. Yeah, I got it. You got me. Wow. You know, I know what it says, but I also know that I can generally with most people get more sugar than I can with vinegar. And that doesn't mean I'm going to cave in. We all have modified our behavior. Do you remember before you got your dog? Yeah. Yeah. And you got a dog now. So that has to modify your behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, I have to put dog in the other room because he's barking too much while I'm doing this interview. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) uh, We are all going to have to choose, Yeah. you know, and, you know, people go like, well, I don't, well, you know, you found me on social media, but you also kind of had to look for me on social media because I'm not a big social media guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So do you have an AK yet? I do. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I have like a Klashnikov. I actually, I need to talk to Adam because I do want to get one of those AKs, like either the Vishka or one of the newer ones that it came out. But I have to say, I was actually pretty impressed with the class because I I would have assumed, especially with AKs, like they are, well, I'm just going to say it, like Sentry Arms, you know, a lot of, they've gotten a lot of slack because some of the guns in previous years, like weren't that reliable, but they've actually come a long way. And I was really impressed with how they ran during the class. I don't think really anyone had any issues. So if you think about it, we shot 9,000 rounds of ammunition. Okay. And we didn't have one stoppage except the one we created. And then here's the thought on that. Okay. I think if you look back at it, you pick any automobile maker and they've all had recalls. Yeah, exactly. But with AKs, I think that centuries has improved remarkably over the time. Now, there are some people that are highly placed in social media who go like, hey, they suck. Well, I got to tell you, the ones I have work and I can't really beat them up. And Mm -hmm. portability standpoint, you know, you can pick one up for less than a thousand dollars, which is always my pivotal point as far as from a financial standpoint, I'd like for people to get, you know, the best equipment they can, but understanding that some people, you know, they're raising families, you know, they're not, have a, I mean, these, the times today are pretty tough financially. Mm-hmm. So I can't have everybody, you know, like do that. But in fairness, I know, and I've heard the same thing you have heard, but I also know the guns that I've been getting and the guns that I've gotten, uh, ha- I've had no issues. The very first one that I got, I broke the handguard on it, but I shot the crap out of it. Like in three days, you know, I shot, you know, like four or 5,000 rounds, 4,000 rounds. So I ran the gun really hard, you know? Uh, so the space shuttle has blown up twice. Not every AK can be perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to get the best one I can. And I think always, you know, from an industry standpoint, if someone asks me, I think, you know, that everyone who picks up a phone, at Smith and Wesson, you know, at SIG, at Century, I think everyone who picks up a phone there should have participated in some sort of class to show them how and what the gun does. I mean, when people go, well, AKs are a little crude. And I go, look at where they come from. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the idea behind it. It's to make mass quantities of guns to and give them to basically indigenous people who, without being, you know, uh, and I don't mean American Indians. Yeah. I mean, you know, wherever 
and they're not necessarily tactically or technically trained on the gun. You know, so the sights are coarse, but it doesn't matter. Everything you aimed at, you hit, you know, uh, every round, not necessarily. The triggers are rough compared to, you know, a $400, you know, custom trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I always tell people, hey, if you want a basic AK, you know, get a sentry. If your sentry breaks, okay, you contact me and I'll put you with somebody who will fix it, Mm -hmm. okay? If you want a custom gun, you know, one that has, okay, I want a side folder, you know, I want a fancy mount on the front, I want a light and I want this and I want that. Well, then it's like everything. Uh, In the old days when your dad bought cars, you could get white wall tires and that's, they took you down the road. But then your dad goes, hey, you know, I think I want white wall tires and those shiny hubcaps. Then you pay for that. So, you know, I have been very pleased with my relationship with Century. And trust me, we've had some discussions, not heated, but discussions, you know, with like Adam, who you know, and I kind of go, hey, this is what I need for the gun to be able to do. Uh, And I don't need that platform to shoot a one inch group at 100 yards. Mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, if it'll shoot inside three or four inches. And for most people, if I go, if I put a paper plate out at hundred yards and you hit it, I'll be elated. And actually to be honest with you, hell, I'd be elated if everyone who picked one up could make it work and hit a paper plate at 25 yards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're, they are by design and uh, by their origin. Okay. You know, a little bit coarse would be a fair word, but then again, you know, they're making improvements all the time. So Yeah, absolutely. When you do your AR classes, what AR brands do you use? Me personally? Yeah. Uh, I use Aero Precision and I've been, same thing, I, they make a version for us and I've been very happy with their stuff. If anybody asked me, I could go like, you could never go wrong by buying a Colt. You know, uh, could you get one that doesn't work? Yes, but most for the most part they do. So Aero you know, Colt's always a good brand name. And then you, if you start getting into, shall we say, elevated platforms, which, you know, you know, if you go and buy a, a Wilson, you know, Bill Wilson, uh, you know, they're good friends of mine and they're going for just a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, SIG makes a version of the AR, you know, but personally me, I use arrows. And if someone asks me, I always tell them you can never go wrong with a Noveski, but you got to, put some money in your wallet when you start that conversation. Mm-hmm. I didn't say they're really expensive. I just said that's a different kind of platform. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is important to offer people options that aren't going to, I mean, even a thousand dollars for some is going to, you know, break the bank, but it is nice to have reliable options out there where you don't have to spend a few thousand dollars on a gun in order to have something that, you know, you know, is going to work when you pull the trigger. Well. Like if we talk handguns for just a second, I could, if someone goes, I want the best 1911 I can get. 1911 has never been worth more than five or $600, but you can spend $6,000 on a Jason Burton heirloom precision mm-hmm. and heirloom is the correct nomenclature. Those guns are hammers. But to be honest with you, if I'm a homemaker, uh, you know, uh, my husband's 26, we have a two-year-old kid, you know, I'm four months pregnant you know what, a $500 Glock 19 would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, someone goes, well, Glock. And I go, the best thing about a Glock, buy the gun, buy magazines made by Glock and don't change any parts. Okay. Well, I need a custom. No, you don't. Yeah. Okay. 
well, I need a red dot site. Yeah, but you're only 26, so you probably don't. Okay. If you told me you were 76, I would go get a red dot because that might help us see better. Okay. But you still got to press the trigger correctly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, and $6,000 gun, which at my age, if I want one, I could buy one. But to be honest with you, I'm sitting here right now, you know, and I have a Glock on my hip getting ready to go to the range. And people go like, oh my God, what a sacrilege. And I go, it's a gun, you know, and they go, well, it's a nine millimeter. And I go like, yeah. Um, and you know what I'm going to do? You think it's not going to work. I also believe it's not going to work. I don't think it. I believe it's not going to work. So I already knew when I drew the gun, I planned on shooting every round in the gun. I just need to shoot one round at a time until I solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all same thing. All cartridges have worked and all cartridges have failed. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take one last minute break to hear from IWI. If you're looking for a good AR right now, you should check out the Zion 15 from IWI. It's the first M4 variant from IWI made right here in the U.S. at the factory in Middletown, Pennsylvania. You can get it in rifle or pistol versions and now in SBR versions as well. I actually, when I went to Classic Firearms, I talked about the Zion 15 pistol version, and it was actually out of the top five most affordable AR pistols, it came in number one. And that's because of its mid-length gas system. It just has a really nice, like out of all the AR pistols, it shot the best. It has very little recoil because of the way that it's made. They also come with the grip in the stock from B5 systems. They have the free flow M-Lock handguard, so you could attach all of your accessories and lots of different options and upgrades. Best of all, all of the options, so whether it's the SBR, the rifle version, or the pistol, MSRP is $899, which is pretty incredible. Definitely check it out at IWI.us. Don't forget, if you're in their web store and you find anything that you want to buy, use the code GUNFUNNY15, that's all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off. If anybody is interested in taking a class, and this was crazy. So the nearest airport is actually Reno, Nevada, and they have to fly into Reno, drive through uh, parts of California and then to Oregon where you're located. And that's like a three and a half hour drive. Right. And I was like, man, people do this trip like every week to, I mean, it's just like that just like blew my mind. And, but I could understand why, because after my experience, you know, training with you, I'm like, oh, I would do it again in a heartbeat. But initially I was just like, this is just crazy. So good options, just so you know, okay, Reno's the big one. Yeah. And then Medford, Oregon, okay, because a lot of people on the West Coast, they'll go into San Francisco and then to Medford, and that cuts like an hour and a half off. Also, Redmond Bend. And then, like all things, the prices on those tickets fluctuate up and down, but uh, Redmond's only basically two hours. Uh, So there's a couple of options, but Reno is the big one because, like, if someone comes from New York City, they can get to Reno really easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I fly to Phoenix and then to Reno and that's how they get here. Yeah. And then, yeah. So that it's another reason why you want stuff to be good, be clean and work. Cause you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not that wild about driving three hours anymore for anything. Right. So. <laughs> I know, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of crazy, but anyway, so if anyone wants to take your class, they can just go on your website and you have your schedule put out how far in advance. So the schedule is out for the rest of this year already. And I believe that the schedule for 23 
is going to be out within the next month. Okay. And then and we already have some stuff scheduled in Las Vegas. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. And that's like around the time that SHOT Show was taking place. Correct? Yeah. That's the, it was kind of set up that way. And it, cause some people come and they have an extra day or two here or there. So if they add another extra day here or there, those classes that we do, there are generally two day ones. And same thing. It's just, how much can we get done in two days and make people safer and more knowledgeable about their equipment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that you train a lot of government agencies, but you're also open to the public. So if any of the listeners are listening, they want to take your class, as long as it's on the website and they're able to register, sign up, they're able, they can do so, correct? Right. All you have to do is look up uh, Thunder Ranch Inc. And of course, it's a Thunder Ranch horse ranch in Texas and a car place in California. So you want to get the shooting school one <laughs> and then you can sign up online. And so, you know, so people don't when you said people always read stuff into what you say yeah. um, very clearly, 90 percent of our clients are from the private sector. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, I do. For example, we have a military unit, you know, like coming that'll be here Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. But I'm also finishing a class, you know, that started yesterday, today and tomorrow. But I don't want people to be run off thinking that, you know, we're somehow affiliated with the government without being a dick. You know, I kind of go like I am the government. And so is everybody listening to this, you know, the difference is we only get one vote. But yeah, I have always done clearly 90 plus percent from the private sector. And the government entities that I do, mm-hmm. they come to me. I don't go to them like in the sense of like, you know, um, I'm going to go campaigning for clients. Fortunately, I've done it long enough now that uh, I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, people, me, which I am remarkably grateful for. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're truly blessed that I can actually sit here on the side of a mountain and have somebody drive three hours to get here. Um, and so we want to give them what they get, knowing that they got got three hours to get out. But uh, yes, all the classes are open, you know, to the private sector people. We do many more private sector people. OK, and I think and I, I'm very close on this, but probably 20 percent of the people that we do are females. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know now I, I can't keep all this gender shit straight. But the point of it is, <laughs> yeah. Like in your case, as you well know, after being here with me, mm-hmm. it made me absolutely no difference who you are. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your, you know, uh, persuasion is. And, you know, uh, I mean, I got people who come from Australia. You know I mean? I got people who come from Canada. You know what I mean, so yeah, it's, it's an open end thing. They can find everything on the website to get back to your specific question. They can find out what's going on. And if they have any issues and if they call, they can talk to uh, my baby sister and she answers the phone and she's actually a pretty smart girl. Okay. And does she live there with you? No, she lives in Indiana, okay. which is where we're from originally. But in, you know, in today's communication systems, give or take a Zoom call, yeah. uh, you know, uh, or a, a visual podcast. Uh, you know, that's our only problem here is, you know, like, as you well know, for us to do something visually, we're kind of in a more remote area, but like, even that we're, you know, upgrading our stuff so that I literally can do a Zoom lecture. Like you go, hey, Clint, would you give me a Zoom lecture on defensive handgun for mm-hmm. my next class coming up? And I go, yeah, sure. You know, like, we just got to figure out. So we're working on all that technology stuff, which I openly admit to everyone listening, I'm not very good at. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, it's okay. We I'm only, we only spent 45 minutes trying to get this interview set up, but yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't saw, bad at all. <laughs> people saw where we were. Like, you go, holy shit, you're gone and where and back. And I kind of go, yeah, look at a map of the United States at night, okay? And there are no lights here. There's a reason I'm here. Yeah. I also have a completely approved and sanctioned range, you know, seven miles from the courthouse. You know, go find that in today's world. So mm-hmm. more remote area, but what I do needs to be done in a fashion where it's not offensive to other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I get it. Some people go, I don't like noise. And I go like, I don't like noise either. Okay. You know, I'm, and guns are dangerous. And I go, yep, you're right. And they're supposed to be, you know what I mean? So yeah. just keep dealing with one stupid on top of another, but yeah, that's how they would get it done. And, you know, I need to get with you to get you to come back up. And then that way, um, uh, next time you come, we need to shoot more video. And then that way people can see what you're doing and, you between the two of us, we can explain what's going on, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, speaking of video, so the video recordings that we did cover when we had Classic Firearms, and I'm really grateful for their camera guy, Ryan, uh, because yes. I was able to use that. But I just looked at one of the videos that they posted, and it was the last day where we did the interview in your office. And I'm like, man, I look like dog shit. Like <laughs> my hair, I look horrible. And I told somebody yesterday, I was like, yeah, look how horrible I look. And I'm like, I actually look better than I felt in that video. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, well, it was like three days of just rolling yeah. around in the dirt and being in the sun. And honestly, I mean, I do have to go to the gym and like work out because like your arms definitely get tired of just like lifting that gun just nonstop, you know, like right. from ready position yeah. to shoot to even like where the trigger guard was on the AK, it was rubbing on my finger. It gave me a blister. Like right. you should have seen my freaking hands. Yeah. You know, well, that that's, the, you know, that that's part of the game is like, you know, I didn't ask you to run. I didn't ask you to do push-ups. I didn't ask you to crawl. Yeah. You know, I always tell people, if you're doing what you're here for, two things that should be really tired when you get done. One is the space between your ears. Mm-hmm. Two is your hands. Because most people, you know, like I always tell people, as you know, drink a lot of water while you're here. The elevation is 54, which is nothing compared to Colorado, so to speak. But for where we're at, and most people are more flatland people than they are. And more, most people are more indoor people. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it in an ugly way. But, you know, like last week it was a hundred here and, you know, I, I basically lived on top of the air conditioner cause I don't do heat very well, but like, yeah, uh, yeah you just, um, it's, it's work if you want it to be done right. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it's like a relationship. If you want that relationship to be good, you have to work at it. I can't just assume because I got married to Heidi that she's always going to be happy with everything I do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like work that. I mean, and you know how that goes. So yeah, it, it's all, it's all good. It just, like you said, it, I always tell people, okay, you know, you're still a young woman. So like take the dog for a walk, you know, uh, go to the gym. You don't have to lift 400 pounds. I, I mean, you're not uh, qualifying for the, you know, CrossFit games mm-hmm. or, or do, do, I mean, yeah. bust your ass until, you know, you can't walk, talk or crawl or drink and, and then work on if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're only limited by our, our own imagination to do and be what we want to be, you know mm-hmm. I mean? So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think also, so from my understanding, you actually taught the class with two broken ribs, correct? Uh, yeah, it turns out there are right, three or four, but that's no big deal. It was, it's all good. Yeah. That's it's not like, the first time. Anybody who knows me know that uh, there are, you know, even my mother said, you know, you're the clumsiest child ever born. So 
Uh, it's amazing I got along this far without and still have all the pieces and parts, although some of them are metal now, but that's good. But that's like you so know? crazy to me because so every time I felt like crap, I'm just like, well, I mean, think of Clint over here. He's, you know, teaching the class two broken or whatever, how many broken ribs, which I've broken tons of bones before. And it's, it's I think pain is like more of a mental thing. Like, I think yeah. that there's there's something because I've been told that I can deal with pain pretty well. Right. And I think it is something that you just sort of it's like a mental game to a degree. Well, you know how that goes to. I guess we can have a pity party for ourselves or we can just girl or man up and yeah. go for it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but I always tell, like I told you, uh, even a dog is smart enough to raise its leg when it hurts. So if you're doing something and you know, I mean, I watched something the other day about a five foot, eight inch girl from Kansas who won everything known to mankind playing basketball. I mean, and she would play, you know, against men. I mean, big men is my point. Mm -hmm. And then she got to kind of, I think she's much younger and a lot better looking than me, but she got to the point that, you know, like, uh, I broke this and this is busted and now my wrist doesn't. And I kind of, so in the end people, this would, they kind of go like, well, here's the problem. Okay. You literally work so hard. You just beat yourself to pieces. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's like driving a car and not having the lugs, on the wheel tight, you know, and the thing is wobbling and, you know, yeah, but, um, option two is not very good. So you and I just need to dig in and go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Wrapping it up. So what is your website and social media and all that good stuff? If anyone wants to follow you or sign up for a class, I think if they just go thunder ranch, um.com, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, Otherwise, they could just Google Thunder Ranch. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you asking me my phone number, and I go, I don't know. I, never <laughs> I know. It's like the village idiot. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, if they if they run Thunder Ranch, and then of course we're in Oregon, then they can match it up to the right one, and then it shouldn't be that difficult because that was one of the things I would go. You know, if you're going to build a website, it needs to be a website that I can get on. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I am not technologically advanced. Yeah. Okay, so. But uh, yeah, so they shouldn't have any trouble. And then, um, you know, you need to remind people also, you know, of like what your site is so that, you know, that or people already know, because absolutely not everyone can come to Thunder Ranch. Absolutely not everyone wants to come to Thunder Ranch. But if, you know, you can fill a class in Colorado Springs and make, you know, five, six, 10, 12 people more confident than you and I are both doing the same job. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I think that it's really important that people just get out there and train. And even the other day I was working at the range that I just became a partner of. Well, I wasn't working. I just stopped by and I was kind of behind the counter and there was a woman that signed up for one of our steel matches. And she was like, I don't know. I sat in the car and literally in the parking lot and was thinking, Oh, I could just turn around now. And I was like, you know what? Just do it. It's one of those things, just like going to the gym. Maybe it's hard to get there at times or hard to sign up for it. But once you're there and you do it, it's one of those things where you don't regret and it's only going to get better and easier. So, you know, regardless of where you are, whether you want to travel to take a class or you can sign up for a local class, I think it's one of those things that just get out there, do it, do as much as you possibly can. And, you know, I think it, it'll it definitely improve and get easier. So. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. And no definitely keep in touch. Definitely. I enjoy being pen pals with you via email. 
Yep, no problem. <laughs> so, you know, stay in touch and maybe I'll see That's you. Thing you always know if you need something that I can uh, help you with, okay, you're always welcome to get a hold of me, okay? Oh, thank and, you. Um, and so maybe... We- Maybe I'll see you at SHOT Show. So I'm assuming that that's probably your next event that you'll go to. Well, we need to have you come back for a class again next year. Yeah, definitely. We should definitely play for that. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Wrapping it up, if you guys enjoy this show and you want to support it, consider becoming a Patreon. You could head on over to patreon.com or gunfunny.com. Click on the support the show link. Wanted to thank the $25 Patreons, Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And then King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Clint, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully I'll be taking a class from you soon. And guys, stay on the lookout for next week's show. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.